You're listening to a podcast from 702. Now talking about going back to work and also working from home. So what it is, some companies, they've decided now that COVID-19 is not as severe as it was. We've learned to live with it as well. We had Omicron that came along that seemed to be terrible to start with, but then wasn't as bad as we thought, which is a good thing. So companies are getting back to normal again. Also, people have had their jabs, etc., etc. So the, qu- the big question is, what have we learned from COVID-19? And, you know, can we actually work from home anyway? It's not a maybe a good idea. You've seen what happened to the petrol price. Have you tried to put 200 rand petrol into your car at a time? Well, don't bother because it's going to go nowhere. You'll be going back to the petrol station the next day because this is where we are with fuel prices, with the petrol price as well. Talking today in our masterclass, working from home, the pros and the cons also as well. Have you gone back to work lately? And uh, it just it's just too many people in the office and people are shouting and screaming and they, hey, I want this and I want that. And you think, oh, I just want the peace from home. I just want to go home. Well, maybe working from home is not a bad idea. And joining us is Ian Reader. Now, Ian is a chartered marketer, also a persuasion scientist. Oh, I like that. Ian, good afternoon. Welcome to 702. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for having me, Ray. All right, Ian. What is a, is a persuasion scientist? I think it sounds quite interesting. Uh, well, um, I originally started in sales and then started to study sales quite heavily and became a negotiations and sales trainer, um, uh, lecturing this, uh, this particular subject at, uh, at the business schools. And I'm a chartered marketer, which is the highest professional marketing qualification in Africa for a marketer. And these subjects overlap heavily. So marketing is persuasion science. Advertising is persuasion science. Selling is persuasion science. Workspace design is persuasion science. Leadership is persuasion science. And all these subjects overlap heavily. All those subjects is all about building trust fast. How do you build trust fast? By designing your office. How do you build trust fast uh, as a negotiator? How do you build trust fast in advertising? So that's basically what a persuasion scientist is. And um, I started to study uh, workspace design before COVID, and um, it's kind of playing into our hands now. Mm. It's, uh, uh, the, wor- the workplace wasn't really professionalized. For example, everybody thought open plan office is the big, the big science, you know. And what we've realized is open plan office is an absolute disaster for most most workers. We just can't concentrate in that space. Yeah. And so workspace design has also uh, become very, very scientific. There's, there's about 50 PhDs just in America in this subject, workspace design. And of course, uh, should we be working from home or should we be working from the office? An avalanche of research is coming out right now. You see, this this is so interesting because if we had gone pre-COVID three or four years ago and we said, right, let's work from home, the instant reaction would be, no, we can't because we can't trust people to actually get on with their jobs. Some people do it very well. Others bunk work. And people would say, yeah, you know, people aren't going to be working so hard. They will bunk work. Mm -hmm. What have we then learned from this whole experience called COVID-19? Well, we've learned a lot and uh, companies like IBM were already 42% of their workplace was already working remotely in 2009. 
And uh, so there, there, was, there was a lot of evidence already in 2009 that working from home could work. What's happened with COVID-19, it's catapulted the experiment. It's catapulted the control and test groups. And we've learned an enormous amount. And the, it's, it's leaning towards the hybrid office is best. Um, so uh, not work from home 100% and not working from the office 100%. And uh, I don't know where to start with the subject. It's, it's so, so vast. It's so big. But COVID-19 has taught us and has given us some fantastic statistics. For example, just six months ago, 50% of South Africans were working from home full time. It's a lot of people. Um, that was unthinkable before COVID. And um, in, in the States, we, we had about 74% of people six months ago working full-time at home. Of course, this is going to change when we've got COVID zero, when we, you know, COVID isn't a, an issue. Um, and not everybody is uh, likes to work from home uh, for many, many reasons. And not everybody likes to work from work for many, many reasons, mm. uh, reasons that we can discuss. All right, so let's have a look at those reasons then. Also, people sometimes need that structure. They have to go to the office because... If they're at home, they don't feel like the boss is there. There's no rule. There's no regulation. It's this freedom that they can't deal with. Have mindsets now changed that people have got used to this and started to learn how to cope with this, I suppose? Um, yeah, spot on there. You know, some people just can't work from, from home. They need a boss to, uh, to, you know, keep them, keep their energy levels up. And, uh, you know, we can get into the neuroscience of all of this, but, um, uh, having a boss walk past your desk does get your energy levels up. It produces what we call a, new, a neurotransmitter called norepinephrine. It's, um, it's, it gets your energy levels up. It's a slight bit of stress when you see your boss or you, uh, a co-walker walks past your desk and has a glance at your screen and there's a meeting going on that gets our energy levels up. Um, what we're starting to realize now was work from home was quite a temporary solution for a lot of people. And then the depression kicks in and then the, the, uh, the, it's, it's, it's too sedentary, you know, sitting on a chair, um, not moving around, not having canteen, not bumping somebody in the corridors. And some people just do not have the discipline to work from home. And what we're starting to realize is, um, how it's hurting the person is, uh, there's uh, many, many reasons. Um, um, that, that hurts the person when, uh, working at home. It could be short-lived productivity, for example, because you're not driving. And then lethargy due to a sedentary work, uh, environment makes people lazy. Um, uh, you can't trust coworkers if you're not working with them face to face, for mm. example. And, um, so, um, you need a certain amount of, of stress. Now, what's, what's coming through, through all of this? is we're starting to see people getting depressed working at home, more anxiety working at home, and, um, you know, which affects your physical health eventually. Besides not having the right chair and the right desk and the right workspace design at home. Um, and um, so we were all excited that working from home was the answer for everyone. And, um, and from the company's perspective, we can't innovate sitting at home. Innovations come from collaboration, working with high trust members of your team. And it's almost impossible to form really trustworthy relationships on Zoom. That's just how the brain works.
Yeah. The brain requires body language. The brain, the brain requires uh, the senses to be involved in the meeting. And you might have seen this, um, you know, having a face-to-face chat with somebody. Um, you have these serendipitous conversations. Chance things happen. Somebody walks past you while you're having a cup of coffee and say, oh, by the way, Ray, this is my boss. Yeah. Uh, please meet Ray. He's a, and out of that chance encounter, um, uh, the, it, so many conversations are spawned and uh, salespeople might, might enjoy this one, um, study by, published by Harvard. If you can increase as a salesperson, if you can just increase to serendipitous collisions, which means chance collisions with coworkers at work in the canteen by 10%, your sales go up by 10%. Oh, wow. If you can, it's, it's so there's bottom line results. Mm. Um, when we collide with each other. Hearing you say that, and you know, you also have these, these Zoom meetings. Something we've discovered mm. is you have a Zoom meeting and things can go really wrong. You know, people talk over somebody else. People can bully somebody else as well. There can be all sorts of things like that going on. But if you're sitting in a conference room together, face to face, none of that happens. Everybody just settles down. How can we then, working from home, get to that level of cooperation? Do we need rules in our Zoom meetings? Do we need to formalize it or just get used to it some more? Well, uh, absolutely. And there's pros and cons to all of these rules, like keep your camera on. Because I see your body language change swiftly because of a, a co-worker's comments on Zoom. I can address and say, you know, Ray, I, I really saw that comment, uh, uh, you know, hurt you a lot. However, tell everybody put, to put their cameras on in South Africa ju- during a Zoom meeting and somebody's going to say, please turn your camera off. We don't have enough bandwidth. Yeah. You know, so... We definitely need, and you know, as, 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 as a trainer, I, I always tell the students to keep their cameras on. Um, and it works until somebody says there's not enough bandwidth. So uh, companies are going to have to address all of these things um, in, in onboarding staff. You know, what is Zoom et- etiquette? Um, and of course, sitting around a table uh, in person, we can see the body language. We can see the folding arms on Zoom. You, you often don't see the folded arms. Mm. Uh, we don't see the, the, you know, the, the, the finger tapping on the table. So, uh, heart trust is really, really developed. Uh, we talk about trust because it's the cornerstone of leadership. It's a cornerstone of innovation. Again, there's massive research that the companies of the future are going to win if they innovate fastest. And we just can't, can't get trust going. Um, through an online world as quick as we can get trust going face to face. Because you actually have to. You actually really have to because of what a lot of people do as well. They will go into a Zoom meeting, but they'll take themselves offline. So the mic is muted, the video is off, and perhaps they don't have to be that productive in that meeting. They've just been invited to it. They can get on with something else. They can do their housework if they like. Absolutely. And and th- th- that's that's another big, massive, controversial um, uh, discussion. People say they're much more productive at work. However, what is that productivity? Because they've cut out two hours of traffic, they're working longer. No, they're not. They're waking up later, maybe. Or there are so many disturbances working from the home office um, that your prefrontal cortex just can't concentrate. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there, there'll be um, a lot of spouses abusing each other as well at, at the home office. Where, uh, you know, I've set the day aside to work and my spouse says, please pick up the kids. And by, by the way, while you're at home, 
uh, won't you just go, go along to the neighbor? And, and there's studies that show up to 14 minutes it takes the prefrontal cortex to focus again after a disturbance. The dog or the cat jumps up onto your laptop or the dog is barking and you've got to go outside. Every single interruption can take the brain another 14 minutes to recalculate, recalibrate, and get back to that email that you were on. Now, you get four, uh, you know, uh, disturbances, interruptions per hour. That is a shocker, absolute shocker. Um, yeah. And there are studies that are coming out that, that you've got, you, you're 32% more productive in a meeting that is face-to-face. Uh, that's a lot of productivity. That's, you know, just, uh, yeah. just you know, 30% saving on everybody's salaries. That's quite something, actually. Sean in Parktown, give us your calls, 011-8830702. But Sean in Parktown, you've done some of your own research. Hi. Hi. Um, yes, I'm a consultant. I work with coaching companies and did a lot of work in terms of work from home. Um, last year, I did my own sort of research when the first empirical research uh, was coming through uh, in terms of working from home, and I very specifically worked on managers that are managers that are customers uh, in the time of working from home. I never ever trusted uh, all of these surveys done in companies because your lower level uh, employees um, tend to say, well, they're more productive and so on. But for managers managing teams um, of sort of call centers and that kind of process transactional orientated uh, work, it is an absolute disaster. So team leaders, uh, team managers, um, uh, absolutely a nightmare working from home. And our consult. Oh, Sean, we're losing you a little bit. Sean, just to move. Sorry, Sean, just, just, just begin that thought again. Just move around a little bit. We lost you there and we really want to hear what you have to say. Yes. Right. Go for it. Yes. So I don't know where you lost me, but, um, so I did the research on, um, managers which are managing teams, um, and teams, um, which are customer facing. In other words, where they're working with a system or with the transactional, you know, transactional work. And for those managers, this work from home is an absolute nightmare. And a lot of businesses that I'm consulting with at this point in time have said, at that level, uh, bring them back home, uh, bring them back to work, sorry, because this work from home just does not work at that level. Mm. Professionals, your academics, and so on, um, and salespeople, well, they've always been working from home, really, um, so, um, yes, but, but for managers managing teams and for supervisors and team leaders managing big teams, work from home is a nightmare and, and a lot right. of businesses just call, calling them back. All right, Sean in Parktown talking about transactional businesses where working from home is a nightmare. In your thoughts on that, I mean, can, can anyone work from home? Is Sean right or is it just uh, jobs that are best suited to work from home only for some people? Uh, Sean, thanks so much for that. What, what Sean was, was really emphasizing, it's difficult to really, really be, be productive as a leader or manager working from home because you are not with your staff face-to-face. And, uh, I mean, leadership is, is, is basically three things. Building trust, which you can't do face-to-face. Leaders then need to engage, you know, with their vision and, uh, and, and work with their people. 
you can't, uh, you know, nonchalantly walk up to a worker, whether he's a salesperson or a call center person, and say, how's the weekend, you know? Um, that doesn't happen. So trust isn't built. But what Sean is saying is what all the big, big, big data is saying now as well. And that's one of the top five. There's a recent article published by Harvard. One of the top five problems working from home is managers cannot do uh, accurate performance evaluations of their staff. Uh, soft skills, for example, are you a team worker? Almost impossible to evaluate because you're not working as a team. You're not collaborating as a team. I don't know how much, you know, Zoom stuff you did. I don't know how much, uh, you know, background stuff you were doing because I didn't see any of it. So certain KPIs and goals may need to be dropped uh, virtually. Now, this is critical. Only 30% of South Africans can work for her at home full time. All right. Okay. Only 30% of the jobs are cut out. In the States, it's a bit higher. 37% of jobs in the States um, lend themselves to work at home full time. Okay. Right. And when we discuss this, we have to discuss it under um, the hybrid worker. Some people can work hybridly, in other words, at home and at work. All right. Then we've got the worker who needs to stay at home because their kid is sick. All right. Uh, that's the ad need basis worker. And, and then we've got the flexible arrangement, which is 50, 50. And then we've got the hundred percent arrangement where you're working from home a hundred percent of the time. Now we got to introduce to the listeners a word called knowledge worker. Right. Knowledge workers can work anywhere remotely. And the debate isn't really, should we work from home? It's, can we work remotely? And knowledge workers are literally workers that think for a living. They get paid to think. All right. Okay. So um, we, we, we need to realize that, that, that at best 30% of South Africans are cut out 100% to work from home 100% of the time. Um, I'd, I'd say about 80% in this country uh, can work on the flexible arrangement, um, you know, where you can, you can, you can uh, come to work, mm. um, you know, for one day. And uh, the rest of the time, um, you should be at home or vice versa. It's a flexible, whether it's 10 or 50. But some people just can't, can't work from home. And this is why they lost their jobs during COVID-19, is because they're not cut out to work from home. Thank yeah. goodness for Zoom and Google <laughs> Hangouts and Microsoft Teams. Yeah. Because I can still train and consult online because I get paid to think for a living. Um, a yeah. graphic artist are terribly lucky. Graphic designers have, have never, ever been so lucky in the history of graphic design because they're also knowledge workers. They design, but they can get the knowledge across, have the conversation on Zoom, send the creative on Zoom, but a brilliant graphic artist is going to have to meet with the client because that's where the innovation happens. All right, Jens. So they would... Let's yeah. let's flip this a little bit. Let's flip it. Who's not suited to work from home? Let's go from the other angle of things. There's an SMS here says, nonsense, I love working from home. In my organization, which is mm. 600 strong, we've secured enormous success. I need 16 people mm. and brainstorm creative campaigns daily. They don't say what they do. That's the only thing. So yeah, well, who's, who's, who, who doesn't work from Creative campaigns, exactly. That's who I've just, be, just, just been emphasizing. A graphic designer and an ad, the ad agencies, if you visit them now, right now, 
um, they've got skeleton staff. They're sitting at home with the Apple Macs. And how can you work online as a construction worker? So I'm going to tell you the losers in working online right. or working remotely. Construction, you can't work online as a construction worker. You've got to arrive at work. Transportation, you can't transport people virtually. You've got to be in your vehicle. Warehousing, you've got to go to work. The stock isn't sitting on your laptop. Accommodation, you can't run a, a, a B&B. You've got to be there running the B&B. So uh, the food industry uh, can't, can't be a hybrid worker. Uh, real estate is quite interesting. Yeah. You can't be a, gr- a great real estate uh, agent because you've got to go visit the buyer and the willing seller. And you've got a show house, et cetera. Although, um, although, so, yeah, although, just to jump in there, although, although, mm. you do get real estate agents who sell to those overseas. So eventually, if yes. you've got your photographer who's got all the pictures, then people buy from mm. overseas and people are making a killing yeah. from this. Absolutely. I know somebody who does this in South Africa. She sells properties in America, but she has to get somebody on the other side to open the house and show them and take them from house to house. So she would be uh, finding the, the virtual buyers and sellers and then somebody else. So they, they, they would be, that's an interesting study. Um, uh, but that would be, um, uh, uh you know, a, a case in point, um, that is unusual. The average estate agents in South Africa who are selling properties in South Africa would be uh, what we call a hybrid worker. They'd go to their work office and then they'd go to the home office. They'd go to the person's house. They'd, mm. You know, if you're going to part with four million rand, I want to meet somebody, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Miners, miners are losers from working from home. You can't mine at home. You can't plant millies at home. So agriculture is, is a problem working from home as well. And uh, healthcare. Healthcare workers, ideally, I mean, you know, Discovery's launched its uh, uh, virtual doctors, GPs, but um, uh, that's an exception to the rule. Healthcare, you know, a nurse has to be there. Yeah. But a surgeon has to be there. So the physicals, so, really. Those are the losers. Yeah. Those are the losers for when it comes to working at home. And um, uh, the, the real, the real winner is, is education. Okay. You know, um, uh, um, you, uh, UNISA has had, uh, got, got the, you know, study from home, lecture from home model right a long time ago. Now, here's the problem. You can get the students through the exams, you know, and you can mark the assignments online, but the student won't enjoy the process. Yes. And this is what we're yeah. starting to realize. I'm not enjoying selling property. I love the part where I could show this plant the house. Yeah, the physical. Um, You know, yeah. Mm. Um, you know, information, uh, IT, they're the real winners. Uh, financial professionals are the winners. They can work at home. And uh, most professional services are the real winners because what are you doing? You're selling knowledge. They're knowledge workers, the professional services, education, IT, finance professionals, mm. they're mm. really selling yeah. knowledge. Tell you what we're yeah, going to do. So just, yeah, we need to take a break for the news headlines. We're chatting to Ian Reader. He's a chartered marketer and also a persuasion scientist. Coming back with some of your calls, 011-8830702. Talking about working from home. Should we continue working from home? And you've heard from Ian, the people like miners and et cetera, et cetera. You have to go to work because it's what you do. But others don't have to work from home. So we've established those grounds. Coming back, though, talking about the cost of things because it costs a little bit of money to keep your lights on 24-7. That's the problem. But it's just gone 3.30. 702. Masterclass.
Let's start out with one or two WhatsApp voice notes. You can leave them on 072-702-1702. Hello, hello. Um, sign language interpreters can also work all over the world. Um, the only downside is the time difference. Like if you're in the US, I can work in South Africa when I'm here. Uh, but if they have like a meeting 9 a.m. in the morning, it means I have to be awake at 3 a.m. my time this side. So even sign language interpreters really can work anywhere. And thanks to Zoom for that. That is so cool. Our guest is Ian Reader. He's a chartered marketer and persuasion scientist. Yes, sign language or, or perhaps just working on a computer at night teaching people in another country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that, that, uh, sign language interpreter or uh, interpreter is again a knowledge worker. She is selling knowledge, uh, which are, is the perfect, perfect worker to work at home or from a remote office. Um, lovely, lovely insights in that call. Thank you very much. Uh, typical knowledge worker. Yeah, that's exactly what you were talking yeah. about, knowledge workers, because people have started to to make money. You have many people I know of at the moment making money by just going online, teaching kids in another country, in China, to speak mm-hmm. English, etc., etc. Mm. How trustworthy are these companies? You say there seems to be this growing, growing trade. Well, yeah, um, and a lot of people were caught, uh, caught, um, caught off guard uh, during COVID because teaching online is knowledge work. You're selling your knowledge. You, you're teaching Chinese children English. Um, there was a massive oversubscription, and uh, everybody I knew who did the course how to um, how to teach online uh, didn't find work. Um, and, um, and a- another big thing was, uh, was power in South Africa. The Chinese were saying, we don't want to give South Africa business because your power is unstable, whether they did that as an excuse. Mm. But that is one of the problems is you might have to get up at three o'clock in the morning to be a knowledge worker. Um, and that's not fun. Um, and people are starting to realize being a knowledge worker, working from home isn't so much fun being online and being switched on all the time. You can't switch off because the, your home is your office and your office is your home. Yeah, no That's one of the big downsides. Sp- yeah. Speaking of that, Ian, and I, I alluded to it just before the news headlines, is the cost that goes into this. Do companies now have to perhaps say to themselves, all right, you can stay at home, but then someone has to pay for the lights, the water, the coffee, perhaps everything else that goes into being at home? Yeah. Although there's more complaints from people who aren't working at home saying, uh, I'm discriminated against because so-and-so doesn't have to travel to work. So-and-so uh, works from home because she's probably or he's probably a knowledge worker. And it, it, there's more complaints about people who aren't uh, compensated for not being allowed to work at home. So um, HR, human resources, is going to have to address this and decide who exactly should be at home and who exactly should be at work uh, for many, many, many reasons. Um, you, you might need to pay somebody more to come to work. You know, they, they're paying more on petrol, wear and tear, and their wardrobes, you know, mm. coming to work, and uh, might have to hire a babysitter too, you know, and maybe a pet sitter. 
You see, um, that's, so, that's, yeah, that's the interesting part, mm. isn't it? Yeah, the babysitter. Look, a lot, you actually save a lot, and you're right, by being at home. No babysitter required, no petris, uh, pet sitter required, because people do actually take their dogs to, to little places every single day to go and be taken care of. So there are those pros. Would you perhaps then have to sit with your boss, with your work to say, you know what, let's sit and work this out, the pros and cons, let's do a budget together, who's winning here, who's losing, and let's find some yeah. common ground perhaps. Yeah. Okay, and, and, and this leads us to a massive topic. Um, companies are going to have to spend money on the home office um, because the home office is, is, is badly designed. Now, this is quite interesting. 86% of the overhead for the average company in South Africa are salaries, okay? Only about 11% is water and lights and rates and taxes. Their rent of their office at the moment is only 3%, okay? 3%. Right. Um, rent is very, very low, 3%. Now, if the office, which is only 3% of the overheads of a company, are not adequate and do not address the needs of the employee, whether they're at home or in the office, okay, by spending a little bit more than 3%, i.e. spend 4% on your rent for better offices. Uh, now, now, this leads us to a totally, totally different subject, how to design the office, which is what we call workspace design. Right. What we're starting to realize is you have to design offices for privacy and collaboration. And this is the problem often with the home office. It's not private because I'm working at home, okay? Yeah. And this is a massive problem also in the average office in South Africa is somebody said we can cram them into this big open plan space and the problem is your PFC, your prefrontal cortex, is completely bombarded with distractions. How do you make that private phone call, you know? Mm. And so workspace is an absolute science today, um, you know, and, and you have to design the workspace. Can I make a private phone call? Can I make a private Zoom call? Do I have privacy during Zoom? Then we also need to have collaborative space. Now, at home, of course, we're not collaborating because we don't have other work colleagues, but sometimes we do. Sometimes I live in the neighborhood where a whole bunch of my colleagues live but I don't have them over to my home. Yeah. So bo bosses need to think about this. If, if you qualify as a knowledge worker to work at home 100% of the time, um, you got to, got to, got to think about throwing a little bit of budget at the home office for your employees. Now, Gensler in 2006 already said that only 48% of employees in America are happy to have their customers come visit them at work because they're embarrassed of the offices. They'd rather meet them at Starbucks, which is again, terribly, <laughs> terribly unproductive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Interesting. Um, and we should be proud to have our, our, our customers over to our office, whether it's home or work, which leads us to this massive, massive discovery. Um, but abandoning coffee at work is a complete and utter disaster. Oh no! Don't yeah, don't do that. That 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 really won't work for anybody. It's just going to get them yeah. ratchety and very nasty as well. I remember when the band smoking for a while, which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong, mm. but a lot of people battled yeah. with that. Yes. Now the smokers, if you go, if you put a microphone on their on their lapel, 
you will see that the sales team might have a smoke break and all they're talking about are the customers. And I'm not making budget this month and over a cigarette, somebody says, why don't you call on so-and-so? And then the CEO comes down and has a cigarette and exactly the same thing happens over coffee. And when you stop coffee meetings or when you close the canteen down, you stop all those serendipitous collisions, these incredible chance collisions. There's an absolute linear connection, which means if you have 10% more collisions over your cigarette or coffee or tea, okay, or alcohol, we can talk about that next because uh, when America, uh, um, under prohibition, when they, ca- uh, when they uh, uh, prohibited alcohol, the patent office saw 18% less patents. So okay. innovation doesn't happen when mm. you're not meeting. So, um, um, you know, so the, these collisions mm. are incredibly important. And that's where the real problems are solved. The problem is not solved staring at your screen. Massive innovation, massive collaboration happens when you are sitting with somebody having a chit chat. And, uh, and, and this is what we're starting to realize really, really hurts the individual and the company when forced to work from home. Chatting to Ian Reader, he's a chartered marketer and persuasion scientist talking about should we be working from home? Should we be staying from home? O double one eight eight three oh seven oh two. I'd like to hear from you now and also leave a WhatsApp voice note message. O seven two seven oh two one seven oh two. Seven oh two Masterclass. Masterclass today, talking about working from home. Should we continue? Our guest is Ian Reader. He's a chartered marketer. Ian, let's start with one or two WhatsApp voice notes. Let's take a listen. Mm-hmm. Hello, Ray. Hello, Ian. Thanks for the, the show. I don't often listen to this, but uh, very good. Um, just from our point of view, my name is Carlo from Bedford View. I run a legal firm. So I'm in a legal profession, so definitely a knowledge worker, as you've defined. Uh, what we found is a hybrid works better for us because whilst we are able to work 100% at home, we do find that missing that interaction every day uh, is quite detrimental. We need to work with staff, especially secretarial staff, um, and motivate them. That's from a staff point of view. From a client point of view, we find that personal meetings are much better because we gauge the clients better. We gauge their energy, what they're all about, what they require. So uh, whilst we are able to work at home, we've actually elected to not do so at all and only do so when we really have to. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you, Carlo. Ian, very interesting, a hybrid model. He's making it work in certain areas. Yeah, so this is exactly what's happening. Uh, Everybody got excited, like uh, the lawyers, the management accountants. We can do this all from home. And what they're starting to realize uh, during the two-year experiment, okay, working from home, is we can get our jobs done, but we're not enjoying our life. We're not enjoying living. We're not enjoying. We need that interaction. And uh, to summarize everything that I've spoken about, the, it's not about working from home or about working from the office. The, the summary is we've got to be hybrid workers. Now, if you've got two companies neck and neck, who is going to win this race? Who is going to get the more market share? The company that innovates more than the other company, especially amongst knowledge workers, which means what? You've got to be with your people. You've got to lead. You've got to inspire. You've got to influence. 
and you've got to build trust. It's all about trust. And if you're not doing this stuff with the whites of your eyes, face-to-face, knee-to-knee, belly-to-belly, you're not going to be producing oxytocin in the veins of your staff, which means what? They will not trust you. And trust is linked to innovation. End of story. Mm, trust and innovation. I suppose it's all about designing your business around what it should be, designing your business mm. for its needs. And we're so stuck in that rut of that nine to five. Our parents did this. Everybody else did this. And then shift working came, shift workers came along and people were like, Oh, mm. wow, that, that's kind of, kind of quite nice. But it's like you say, those poor people who work early in the morning and get home at midday, their families go, look, it's open season. They've got time to do stuff. I suppose everybody has to give this a really good rethink. Yeah, we got a, 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 one of the big things. We, you spoke about the the older the older uh, worker, you know, the um, the, the the baby boomer. Um, what's happened now is is, is about seventy percent of the world's population in the workplace are millennials. Now, millennials were born after nineteen eighty two uh, up until two thousand and two. So, millennials are twenty to forty. So we've got a very, very young population in this country as well. So at least 50% of our working population in this country are youngsters, millennials, you know. And what, does millenn- what do millennials want? They want to be paid for their output. They want to be paid for what they did at the end of the month, regardless where they did it. And these millennials are the bulk of the people that we are leading and managing in South Africa. And they like flexi time. In fact, um, uh, many studies are showing that the millennials prefer flexi time to pay. They will, okay. they will drop their pay for flexi time um, and pay me for output. I've achieved my KPIs. I cracked my sales this month. Pay me. Uh, whereas the, the boss might be above the age of 40, uh, putting them in my category, Generation Xs, or the boss could be 62, which would be, would be a baby boomer. They uh, want to see you, man. They want to see you. Why don't you come into the office and please uh, put in your reports into customer relationship management software packages and, uh, you know, and they kind of want to police you. And mm. so there's, there's a big misfit between the older generation and the younger generation who are really, really enjoying the hybrid uh, work from anywhere model. Um, and we've got to give them enough rope. It's interesting because it is a big mind adjustment. And a lot of people will say, if you say the word millennial, you go, ooh, millennial. But it doesn't have to be that way. Isn't it just thinking outside of the box? Maybe millennials have a point. They definitely have a point. I mean, you know, all, all our future presidents are going to be millennials one day. They're also going to, you know, um, you know Zuckerberg is a, is a millennial born in 1984. He's a proper millennial. And, and they're great workers, but they, they, they love learning and growing, and they don't like the autocratic leader. They love the democratic leader. So we need to really adapt our leadership style and saying, how would you feel about working from home? Or how would you feel about working, doing the, not, don't tell them you will work from home or you will come to the office. You know, give them a little bit of, uh, make them feel like the decision is theirs. Um, that's a, a big tip for the leaders out there is the millennials uh, don't, uh, you know, you can't tell them what to do all the time. You got to have a, a democratic conversation with them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, it's all about trust, you know, um, a good leadership tip out there is 
is you, you've got almost no chance of being voted a great leader if you're managing people's KPIs and objectives. All of a sudden, as soon as you realize humans are humans and their brain is a social organ, your ability to be rated great, just those empathetic conversations, like, uh, for example, how's the weekend? Or I can see you've had a, you know, you had a rough week this week. Um, little things like that, just showing that you empathize is what the millennials are after. And yeah. they will eat nails for you. That's, that's so interesting. It really is so interesting because think about it, Ian. If you go back, I've been working for 30 years now. You go back 30 years. Mm -hmm. I remember my boss then. If I didn't do something right, I'd get hammered. I would get shouted at, yeah. hammered, disciplined, belittled, mm. probably something thrown mm. at me as well. You can't do that today because you as a boss will end up at HR and that's you. I remember the days where, you know, you used to hear somebody was fired today. And, uh, or, you know, the boss just said, you've got 15 minutes to clear your desk. You're out of here. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because you didn't thank me for your, your increase. You oh, know, um, yeah, things have changed. That was the norm, you know, um, when I started working. And, and it's definitely not the norm now. So leaders, it's not all about workspace design. It's about your leadership skills. Um, the nice thing about the workspace, if you get it right, it kind of leads the person all day long, okay? Um, again, the, this workspace design company called Gensler in the States um, said, given the right workplace or workspace, 48% of employees will work an extra hour a day. Oh, now, wow. <laughs> we don't want people to work another hour a day. That's unconstitutional. Mm. If you want them to be in that mind space, that they don't mind working an, an hour a day. You can, you know, fire them if they work too hard. Mm. But um, we want people engaged when we at work. And, and the statistics in this country are terrible. Um, about only 10% of our workers love their jobs. The biggest reason is leadership. Okay. Mm. Um, that's another discussion, how to yeah. lead. But if we can get the workspace and the workplace and the yeah. hybrid office to incentivize people to work harder while they're at work or what we call be motivated or engaged, get your pound of flesh and productivity out of them. Why not spend? Why, why are we only spending 3% of our monthly overheads in this country on rent? Sure. We should be spending more than that yeah. because um, we can destroy the productivity. Yeah. through the wrong hybrid office. Ian, we'll have to leave it there. I could discuss this the whole afternoon with you. Ian Rieder, Chartered Marketer and also Persuasion Scientist, talking about working from home, knowledge, workers, privatization, etc., etc. How are we going to make this work? Ian, thank you so much for coming onto the program. I do appreciate it.